Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with you today. The music in the background for the last couple of times is our good buddy, Mr. Ryan O'Neill, also known as Sleeping at Last. And this is the Enneagram 7 song. If you listened along with our Ennea Summer 2020, I hope you got to hear on Monday our episode with Suzanne Stabile answering your questions, your Ennea Summer questions that you submitted. And just a reminder that as we finish out the summer, all those koozies, all the Ennea Summer koozies are $4 as long as supplies last. So hop over to shopanniefdowns.com. Y'all, I just discovered my new favorite subscription is Causebox. Have you seen Causebox yet? Every product and brand in Causebox has a positive mission to give back and make the world better. We're so honored that they are a partner of today's show. They launched their new fall box and I just got mine in the mail. We just opened at the office and everybody is beside themselves. It came with like $250 worth of sustainably made beautiful and useful products for less than $50. I think my favorite product that will surprise none of you that was in the fall cause box is a full-size bathrobe. You guys, y'all know how we love work robes around here. I've been wearing it mm, on and off every day since. It's my new favorite work robe. It's made of a waffle knit that feels and looks amazing. You can pick between the bathrobe or a set of four waffle knit towels with two full-size bath and two hand towels. Both the robe and the towels come in two different colors, mint or charcoal, and both are a big upgrade to my house or the office, you know. The bathrobe or towels are $90 by themselves, but my box also came with a tea fruit infuser tumbler, a bamboo serving set with tongs. I'm very excited about that for charcuterie boards. A spatula, a cutting board, a set of 10 reusable face pads, and tons of other great products. It's crazy how much you get for less than $50 per box, and they are all brands and products you can feel good about using. One of the best parts of subscribing was just getting my Causebox in the mail. They ship it right to your door for free, and opening it is like opening a huge bundle of gifts. We love that around here. So join the movement of women who care about the brands they support and the products they use. Get this for yourself or for someone that you love, for a friend or a teacher or a neighbor, anybody you love, really. So go check out Causebox before their fall box sells out at causebox.com slash that sounds fun. And if you use my code, that sounds fun, you get 20% off your first box. And I can tell you firsthand, you guys are gonna love it. So check out Causebox. Today on the show is a new friend that I absolutely adore, you guys. I Like, I'll try to be cool about it, but I like Valerie Burton so much, I don't know how to be cool about it. I just think she is brilliant and kind. Her new book, Let Go of the Guilt, comes out September 1st, and it is, I'm telling you all, it is such a book for the moment. It has been amazing to me this fall, and we we talked about it last fall. Remember, we talked about what are all these books about slowing down? Why do we keep having this theme of slowing down coming out? And then what did we not know that the Lord knew? COVID-19, we'd all be slowing down, it would be happening, and it feels like we're starting to see another trend of books this fall that kind of are helping us move forward, and Let Go of the Guilt is a really good one like that. I think you're going to really enjoy the book and this conversation with an amazing author and coach and now friend, Valerie Burton. Okay, Valerie, let me start by telling you that we should confess to the audience, this is our friendship starting right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is the first moments. And so I hope this goes well. I'm very excited to be your friend. You, The, the jury can still be out on how you feel about me, but I'm really excited. So. <laughs> well, everybody I know who knows you is 
thoroughly excited and thrilled about you. So I have I have no doubt that, that has will been be my experience friends. too. All everyone who knows both of us is like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, my first question is, my friend, you released a book in January, Life Coaching for Successful Women, and you're releasing a book in September. <laughs> I've done that twice now. It's kind of funny. How in the world do you write that fast? Well, the the book that came out in January was actually a re-release. Okay. So I, okay. I cannot claim I wrote two books in that short a period of time. <laughs> I was about to be like, okay, she needs to tell me some tricks because I get a book out about every two years or so. Yeah, that, that sounds smart. <laughs> um, also, I grew up in Marietta, Georgia. And oh. lived in Georgia most of my life, went to the University of Georgia. And according to my Instagram stalking, you also live in Georgia. Yes, I live south of Atlanta. I used to live in Atlanta. This is the longest I've ever lived in a state. I like broke my own record in 2019 with really? 10 years. <laughs> yes. Okay, so where, can you just roll through all the places you've lived? Yes, people are going to be like, what's wrong with this girl? I was born... <laughs> I was born in North Florida, Tyndall Air Force Base in Panama okay. City. And I lived in West Germany as a kid, just outside of Frankfurt. Yeah. Then we moved to Colorado, which is where I consider myself to have grown up. My husband and I both grew up in Colorado, just outside of Denver in an area now called Centennial, but it was Aurora when I lived there. And then let's see, I lived in California, Monterey moved back to Florida to go to college, graduated from Florida State, and then went to grad school at Florida A&M. Then I moved wow. to Texas. Wow. I lived in Dallas for eight <laughs> years, and Texas was very good to me. And then I moved just outside of Washington, D.C. to Maryland. Oh, my gracious. <laughs> so I lived in Maryland for six years, and I moved to Atlanta in 2009. And in between all of that, I spent my summers as a kid in South Carolina, which is where my parents were born and raised okay. and where my family is from. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And how many kids do y'all have? Do y'all have kids? Sorry. That should be the first we question. Have, we have three. I okay. have two bonus daughters. They're 15 and 13. And I have a son who is six. Okay. So I haven't gotten married yet, but I love hearing stories of how people meet the person they're with. So would yeah. do you, will you tell us how y'all met? Yeah, so I can't tell you the official day we met because we went to middle school and high school together, and who oh, knows? Wow. My husband says our lockers were five doors apart our senior <laughs> year. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> That's a good move too. You're like, yeah, sorry, you remember, but I don't. So <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't. I barely remember where my locker was. I don't know where anybody else's locker was, and. Um, and we connected in 2012 when he was in the Atlanta report. Apparently, we were already Facebook friends because I had like 200 okay. full Facebook friends. And he saw my book, Successful Women Think Differently, in the airport. He's a pilot. And he took a selfie with it and he tagged me. And our, our friends, our mutual friends were like, sure, Jeff, if you try hard enough, I bet you could be a successful woman. Go ahead and get <laughs> And so when I went over to his page, I realized he lived outside Atlanta. So we had lunch just because, I mean, we went to high school 1,500 miles from Atlanta, and there we were in the same area. And it was pretty much immediate. Yeah. In fact, in fact, his daughters, as he kept talking about them, and he had to go get them from school at a certain time, had names that I had written in my journal if I ever had girls, <laughs> which I, I didn't tell him that over no. lunch. <laughs> When he told you, were you like, oh, we're in trouble? <laughs> I was blown away because yeah. one of the names is actually two. It's Sophia Grace. 
And wow. when I asked him his oldest daughter's name, he was very deliberate. He said, now my oldest one, I named her. Like clearly he'd given it a lot of thought. Yeah. Her name is Sophia Grace. And I, I almost fell out of my chair. Wow. And I just said, oh, I, I, I've always liked those two names together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the other name I liked is Olivia. And his youngest daughter is Addison Olivia. Oh my so gosh. that was pretty... Yeah, there were a lot of little signs like that. <laughs> I mean, there has to be, I mean, let's just jump into the deep end. There has to be a moment when that's happening, when you go like, okay, God, you're telling a bigger story here than I could have dreamed up. Well, you know, right in in that moment, like, I didn't want to put too sure, much. Sure, sure, like, sure, in the moment, right, right, right. I knew what I felt when I when I first saw him. I knew what I felt, but I was like, okay, don't get carried away here. So... While I was having those thoughts, I was trying to keep myself from having yes, those thoughts. Yes, yes, you know yes, yes. I mean? but, um, but looking back, it really is something because uh, it, it felt like it felt like a sign. Yeah. It just feels like uh, the Lord kind of going, hey, you know all those things you wanted? I, I saw you. I yeah. saw you. I worked it out. Yeah. No, that was, you know, that was a big deal because yeah. um, when we got married, I was... 40 about to be 41 oh girl you're speaking you're about to do some ministry right here because i just turned 40 (laughs) yes yes and i had i had gone through divorce that's why i had moved to atlanta i finally was like you know what all this traveling all your life your family's in the southeast and i prayed Mm. and prayed and i felt like god's hand was pulling me south saying you need to go where the people you love who love you are and you know what if indeed your your dream that you feel God's place in your heart for marriage and family is going to happen, well, you know you want to be near your extended family anyway, so it's probably better to go there because you don't want to meet somebody that's, you know, right. 2,000 miles from there and say, hey, that's right. going great. Would you like to move south? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'd like you to be in a totally different part of the country, please. <laughs> okay, yeah. and then so he already had two daughters, and now y'all have a son together. Yes. Oh, that is amazing. And before, so when did you start writing? I mean, your books go back over a decade. You have like 12 books out already. Yes. So they go, (laughs) then my books go back 21 years. So I self-published my first book. Me too. In 1999. Okay. And then a division of Random House picked it up and re-released it in 2001. Yeah. And then I doors continue to open for me to yeah. write this new book is book number 13 that is incredible i mean valerie my story mirrors that exactly that i self-published yeah. first and a publisher picked it up what made you decide to sell there are so many people listening who want to write a book someday what made you decide to self-publish first well i i had attempted three different times to write a book okay and wrote a little, but never got all the way to where I needed to be. Mm. Like the first time I was 22 and I just ran out of words. I was like 10,000 words. That's all the wisdom I've got so far. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second time it was more like, I still didn't know my purpose. And I had been praying sure. about that for a long time. And I had an epiphany in July of 99 while I was in a bookstore that was just, your mission is inspiring women to live more fulfilling lives. You'll do it through writing and speaking. And mm. I just, I knew it was the Holy spirit. Wow. And 
about three weeks later, I started writing and Annie, I wrote on like legal notepads. Like I yeah. wrote book that way because the computer screen was intimidating. Like I, I would, I'd start typing and I, I would do a word count, you know? Like, yeah. Okay. Immediately. 35 words. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> same girl. Same. I will do the, I still do the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote on legal notepads and I had a friend that I used to work with and she started typing it up and I, I, I was ready. So I basically yeah. was like, okay, Lisa, I'm going to keep typing. And I typed the other half. I, I didn't want to wait for a publisher to tell me it was, it was good. Yeah. I, yeah. when I started writing, even though I had not been a fast writer in the past, I had studied journalism. So I was confident about my writing, but I'd never, I was, I didn't want to be a reporter because writing on deadline just seemed not very fun to me. Sure. And so when I started writing, the words were just flowing. It's like, I'm going to buy a book about how to self-publish a book and yeah. I'm going to do it as this. And that's what I did. But I always had the goal that I would get a publisher. And so I was in, I was in PR. I owned a PR firm. So that helped me with being able to get the word out about the book. And I was just very um, diligent. Barnes and Noble even picked up my self-published When you self-published it. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. So I I felt doors opening and I basically paid my way to Book Expo America in 2000 and was giving away books when an editor walked through my line, said she was looking for fiction, but mm. thought my book looked interesting. And that's, wow. I tell authors that they're like, that's how you got a book deal. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, everybody loves the meet cute moment where like, and then the editor picked up the book off my table, even though she wasn't looking for nonfiction. And you're like, yeah, but y'all got to remember that for years before that I was hustling and writing and sharing my book with people. I mean, at one point in my career, Valerie, I drew a blue circle around Nashville for a hundred miles And I put it on my blog and I said, if you're in this circle and if you'll buy 10 books, I'll come speak for free. I mean, 10 books. (laughs) Wow. But, you know, I did stuff like that, too. And I I remember one time I because I I sent myself on a book tour. (laughs) Uh huh. Me, too. That's all it was. It was my self-defined book tour. And I think I was at a Christian bookstore at a mall in Greenville, South Carolina. I can say because of this particular appearance, I have never had a book signing that no one showed up at. Yeah. But this one, I have sat there for an hour and a half. And one woman who said she was uh. on my email list showed up with her husband. And I was like, Whew, okay, I haven't broken my, my streak. <laughs> <laughs> one and done. <laughs> yeah, one person to show up, you know, but it, it's all been worth it. Yeah. I mean, do you, when you say that, what does that mean for you? What do you mean it's all been worth it? How do you see it playing out, benefiting other people's lives? I wanted to know, I I think for me, because I knew communication was something that came naturally to me. Yeah, It always did. Writing my second grade teacher, who I would still love to find, Mrs. Johnson, told me I was a good writer and I believed her. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And so the writing and the speaking, my mother used to say she played a game to see how long I could go without talking. Mm. (laughs) So communication was what came naturally. So going into marketing and public relations made sense, but I didn't feel like it was purposeful. Mm. So when I discovered what what I was supposed to use my communication to do, that was when things changed. That's why the third attempt at writing a book went. I mean, I wrote that book in about three months because I I was on fire. I knew why I was doing it. Mm -hmm. So 
I have felt even, you know, especially those first seven plus years, it was hard. Yes. Um, and there were always these doubts like, you know, you could go back into PR and be making yep. more money, yep. you know, but I, it's not what I wanted to be doing. Yep. And I would always hear this, this voice, <laughs> I knew it was God saying, that's yep. not what I told you to do. Yeah, that's right. So for our friends listening who do feel, I mean, I'm sure the same thing happens to you. You just mentioned it, that women and men will walk up to me at, you know, when we used to go to restaurants, at restaurants or airports or <laughs> anywhere in public and say, I know God told me to write a book. I know God's given me a book to write. I know God's told me to be a communicator. What's the next thing you tell them to do? Well, number one, make a decision Yeah, that you're going to do what God told you to do. It's a decision. Yep. Most people get caught up in, well, I don't know how and where and who's going to publish it and how do I do you that's part of what you do after you make a decision. But when you make it non-negotiable to do what you've heard in your spirit that God's called you to do at that point, then you know what the next steps are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, how does this happen? You mm -hmm. may, you're listening to me and Annie right mm -hmm. now. You start listening, you start researching, um, you start writing. And for me, I was, I was a little, it was difficult. I would look yeah. at books and go, gosh, that's a lot of words. And I was writing a, a column uh, for the Dallas Business Journal and one other publication. And But those were short. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was in my first book, it was what I call mini chapters. They were as oh, wow. short as my columns. But I wrote like, I wrote 60 of them. I ended yep. up keeping 50 of them for the book. Yeah. But I did what I could do. And I knew what the purpose of the book was. It was you know, helping women enhance their everyday lives. So I was like, okay, how do you enhance your everyday life? Like I made it really simple yeah. and doable. It was in these bite-sized steps, but I think we can get overwhelmed sometimes with yep. what feels like an enormous task, but an enormous task is just a lot of little small tasks done consistently over time. Right. Right. And then the thing that happens when people are coming to talk to you or I is, is they're saying, I think there's a book in me and they've determined success looks like looking like your book history or my book history. Mm. When, when, I mean, and so much of what you teach Valerie is how to successful women think differently, successful women speak differently. Like how do you teach women and probably men who listen along too? how do you teach them how to define success for themselves if they're writing their first book or if they're speaking at their first virtual conference? Like how do you, help people determine what success is for them? Well, first of all, that's the question. Mm. What is success for you? And I typically ask people to make a bullet pointed list. How oh, do you wow. successful with this? And this goes in any area of your life, whether it's writing a book or being a parent or something in your finances or your health, like what does success look like? So I always define success as a harmony of purpose, resilience, and joy. Purpose, so, resilience, joy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. It's, it's, am I doing what I'm called to do or, you know, the divine assignments I have in this season of my life. And then there are going to be setbacks. Goodness. We all know that, especially right now, right. <laughs> you know, right. unexpected things that happen. You have to make a decision to navigate those, to look for the lessons, to look for the divine messages in the midst of those and you might fall for a while, you know, it might mm. look like you're out, but you're resilient if you get up eventually. Yes. And then the joy, like, are you successful if there's no joy? Like, you've got to find that way every day to find your joy and, and to find joy even when things are hard. 
And I think that's the hardest piece. You know, it yes. won't always be perfect, but you can either go through whatever it is, miserable and mad and complaining. Right. <laughs> you know, or you can find reasons to be grateful and joyful and to say, all right, you know, it's, it's not what I wanted it to be, but it's better than what it could be. Yes. Um, you know, what, what can I still praise God about? What can I still be glad about or, or be grateful for? I was looking through your new book that comes out. This, this episode comes out August 27th. Your new book comes out September 1. And your new book, Let Go of the Guilt, I just thought, man, how many of us need that at this point in 2020? Because I feel guilt constantly for decisions I'm making of like, oh, that's not the best. Now, I know you're, I know you're exhausted. I know you're sad that this has been canceled, but come on, Annie, you can do better than that. You know, like, I just feel like I do sense more guilt in me than I usually do. Mm. <laughs> well, I think we're all, we're all in that place of maybe second guessing sometimes, judging. Yeah. Or- or being afraid of being judged. I was just talking to somebody about, you know, making the school decisions that need oh, to be made gosh. and so on and so forth. And, you know, with people dealing with economic pressures, there can be, oh, we should have had a bigger cushion or I should have seen this coming. Like we have to stop beating ourselves up. Mm-hmm. None of us could see this, this, I mean, my goodness, you know, right. we couldn't see this coming and be kind and compassionate to ourselves. Um, I think we can be, especially as women, way too hard on ourselves it's unnecessary but it's also um it's debilitating at times and if you're dealing with people in your life who unfortunately some people are dealing with guilt trippers and manipulators they'll really use that um you don't want to see that happen so how do we do that what is it one of my favorite quotes of yours you just put it on instagram as i was stalking you success (laughs) and resilience start with self-care what does that yeah. look like? So so put those thoughts together for me that being successful, resilient, and letting go of guilt, how does self-care play into that? Because a lot of Christians don't like talking about self-care because they think it's selfish and instead of the importance of like caring well for you. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, even Jesus practiced some self-care. Hmm. I mean, there were times when he had to just get away right? He had to have that time for God and that time to get quiet because sometimes, you know, as people were doing then, just pulling on him because they knew he was their answer, right? We can experience overwhelm from other people's needs from, especially right now, we have to be aware that this is taking a lot more of our emotional energy and mental energy than we were expending a year ago, right? As a collective group (laughs) globally, not just as Americans, but I mean, this is being dealt with all over the world. And so if you just keep pushing yourself because you feel like I should be able to handle this, I should be able to handle it. You can handle it, but maybe you need a little bit more rest right now. Maybe you need a little bit more prayer time. Maybe you need to set aside some time to just talk to somebody who cares and will be a listening ear because you just feel more stressed than usual. Mm. You know, this whole idea of self-compassion has been well-researched. And even if you will just tell yourself, if you're feeling some challenging times, just saying, this is really hard for me right now. Yeah. The research shows that that lowers your stress level. Just, just to, to admit it. Yeah, just saying this is wow. hard. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow, just saying it out loud makes it. Because that's yeah. what I was going to ask you, Valerie. When I'm thinking about my own life, I'm like, how do we, I, I wish there was like, a, I wish we had gas tank signals. <laughs> you know, like I wish we had it to go like, man, I feel like I'm running low, but my life is better than their life. And and I've got it better than those people. Not in a selfish way, but in like a just be grateful for what you have way. How can we check our own levels? How can we even know whether we're being selfish and bratty or whether we're really running on low to empty more than we normally would. You know, mm. <laughs> you know, when you're feeling worn out, extra tired, Yeah. <laughs> when you're not as gracious with the people you love, mm. <laughs> you know, your answers are short or you're moody. Those are all signs. Yeah. And so pay attention because those, those emotions and those signs are sending you messages. Yeah. And, Oftentimes, what we do is we'll allow our messages to rule us and to rule our decisions, as opposed to allowing the message to be information that we use. And that's sure. one of the things I say about guilt is it is a message. Hmm. It's it's information about what's going on. And I I believe God put that radar in us, right? Yes. To say, yeah. Oh, so there is authentic guilt, obviously, when we have done something wrong, and we ought to feel something when we've done something wrong, because that it's a message saying, Hey, Hey, you need to turn around, go the other direction. Yeah, you that's to, right. You need to admit it. You need to apologize. You need to atone all of those things. But a lot of what I'm talking about and let go of the guilt, most of what I'm talking about is false guilt. Hmm. So authentic guilt is I did something wrong. It's yes. <laughs> like, Oh, I, or I caused harm in right. some way. Right. That's real. False guilt is I feel like I did something wrong. Mm. I feel like I'm causing harm. And so there's a big difference because our feelings are honest, but they're not necessarily the truth. Yeah. And you can feel something, but it may not, it may not be actually true. And so being willing to push back on that and say, is that, is that really what's happening? Is that mm. what happened? Is that what mm. I did? And too often we don't do that. And then what happens is we make decisions and choices based on guilt decisions yes. that we're angry about, resentful about, frustrated about. And that doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. So what's that looking like for you in your home? Are, are all the kids there? And are you having these moments of like, oh, I've, I need to preach to myself here too, of not yeah. being guilty toward my people? I preach to myself all the time. Me too. <laughs> I am my my biggest audience. <laughs> Wait a minute. I wrote about that. Let me go back and read that one yeah, more time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yes, we have, like I said, we have three children. School shut down in March. Yes. Um, and and then my husband is at home. Um, he was furloughed, and then his company had to lay him off. Oh, wow. And we have, uh, and we have a puppy, which really looks like a dog because he's about close to sixty pounds. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and he's nine months old. Oh, so all you've got a us, long way to go still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all of us here together, and being that I work from home, so some of that guilt, like, mm. okay, kids are upstairs. You want to just totally be there and we yeah. have a game plan but yeah that that guilt uh certainly um comes in and i've heard a lot of other moms talk about that but you know annie 
I did. I surveyed about a little over 500 women when I wrote the book. And oh, wow. I thought, I thought mom guilt was going to be number one. Yeah. I just knew because that's what caused me to start talking about it and realizing so many women feel guilt about right. a lot of things. And I realized, oh, I don't just have mom guilt because I was like this way before I became a mom. <laughs> right. <laughs> so a little bit of everything is like ambition guilt, boss guilt, yeah. all sorts of guilt. Yes. And what I realized is the the number one thing that women told me they feel guilty about, actually it was a, a tie for, for number one, was what they eat and wow. whether or not they're exercising. <laughs> wow. I mean, we eat every day. Yes. And think about that. Feeling guilty about eating. Every day. Every day. Wow. A lot of guilt around past choices. Just, you know, regret. Guilt in friendships. Hmm. You know, am, am I selfish? And typically the people that are asking if they're selfish are not selfish. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The am I self-aware question doesn't usually come from someone who's not self-aware. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> but, you know, there is this there is this very interesting research around an upside to guilt. Yeah. Is that people who are more conscientious tend to feel more guilt because they're very concerned about doing things right. Mm. And so they make better employees. They make better spouses yeah. <laughs> and so forth. But um, in many ways, that the the guilt is a good thing. They want things to go well, so you, so you can trust them with that project, right? Right. You can, right. You can trust them to do the right thing in the relationship. So this whole guilt thing isn't all bad. It's when we go overboard with it, there becomes this kind of shadow side to guilt, where it's not the kind of guilt that God wants you to have. To know, wait, wait, wait. That's not the right thing to do. I believe it becomes something that the enemy uses, hmm. planning seeds of constant doubt. Um, you know, he came to kill, steal and destroy right. and one of the ways that that he does that. And we have to be aware because it's I think it's debilitating. It's, it's right. a weight yep. that is very, very heavy and burdensome. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation with Valerie to tell you about some of our very favorite sponsors, including Liquid IV. You guys know how much we love Liquid IV around this office. We love the hydration multiplier. We drink it all the time. But also, you'll probably catch in somebody's water bottle every day an energy multiplier. With roughly 100 milligrams of clean caffeine, it is the perfect coffee replacement and an all-natural alternative to processed energy drinks for a sustained energy boost throughout the day. I usually start feeling tired, oh, I don't know, two or three in the afternoon, you know, that afternoon slump. And and if you feel that, this is a great product to have half of Americans res- report that they struggle with daily fatigue. Half of us, y'all. And with Liquid IV Energy Multiplier, you can upgrade your vibe and reach your constant state of awesome, my friends, and put away that bad mood, that unhappiness, that lack of motivation that can happen in the afternoon. The taste of Energy Multiplier is awesome. I can feel such a difference in my energy. Like, you guys, I have to, like, be careful. This thing works so well. (laughs) Y'all know me. I already have a lot of energy. And so when I use Energy Multiplier on my tired days, I'm able to be the best version of myself. 
The premium matcha and green energy blend tastes delicious and provide a lasting energy boost throughout the day. It's the same as about one to two cups of coffee without the crash, which I absolutely love. And I love that Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals and first responders, food banks, veterans, active military. Y'all, I'm telling you, Liquid IV is just one of our very favorites from start to finish. We absolutely love them. They're available nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off if you're one of our friends when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code that sounds fun at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order. So go ahead and get you some of the hydration multiplier when you use the promo code that sounds fun at liquidiv.com you get 25% off start fueling your adventures today my friends at liquidiv.com promo code that sounds fun I'm also excited to tell you about our friends over at Raycon I know I know I've talked about these earbuds before but can you blame me I am still head over heels about them it's a company co-founded by Ray J you all know Ray J and it provides innovative earbud designs at prices that don't break the bank Raycon aims to empower go-getters around the world, that's you and that's me, by creating the next wave in wireless audio technology by bringing you and I only the best in wireless audio products. Y'all, I absolutely love the Raycon Everyday E25 earbuds for everything like when I go on a run to working in the office and even on airplanes when I've been traveling. The quality makes it seem like I'm right there in person at a need to breathe concert or like I'm at a dinner party with friends when I'm listening to my favorite podcasts. Listen, they stay in my ears, which I think is awesome. They don't fall out. And the reason they don't fall out of my ears is because they have a variety of fits. When you get your box, they're actually different covers. So you fit them to your ears. I tried on a couple of different sizes. So I found the right one for me, which was awesome. They come in this cool compact carrying case that charges your earbuds up to four times in a single charge. So you don't have to worry about charging it very much. These Raycon earbuds are great for home, for working out, for listening to music and podcasts, just like this one. So go to buyraycon.com slash that sounds fun. And they're going to give my friends 15% off your order. You guys, celebrities like Brandy and J.R. Smith and Mike Tyson are obsessed with Raycons. And you can add me to that list. Raycon earbuds started about half the price of other premium wireless earbud brands, and they sound just as amazing as the top audio brands. So again, go to buyraycon.com. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash that sounds fun, and you'll get 15% off your order. I cannot wait for you guys to try these out. And now back to the show. And it just, I think you're making such a great distinction that guilt is not in itself bad all the time. Shame is like, this yeah. is so much of Brene Brown's work is the difference between guilt and shame. But, but when you feel guilty for something, that's supposed to lead you somewhere. You need to let it go. I mean, obviously, let go of the guilt is your book title, but you need to let it go. But it's also meant to point you toward who you really want to be when you feel those signals. That's right. That's right. And so much of this comes from our expectations. And I think one of the reasons that women feel more guilt, because I, I, it was kind of anecdotal. I started talking about it, speaking engagements, yeah. and the reaction would be like, oh, <laughs> you know? really? every single woman, like, oh, what don't I feel guilty about? And I, wow. I thought, what is this? I've never spoken on a topic and had everyone collectively say, mm. That's me. Wow. 
And so one of the things I discovered as I was doing some of the research is that there is a guilt gender gap. Women that is fascinating. Yeah. We feel more guilt for several reasons. Um, one, we are just more relational and guilt a lot of times is tied to relationships. Did I cause someone harm? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not just did I do something wrong, mm-hmm. but did that something wrong create a problem for someone that I care about? Oh, wow. But also we just we're more emotionally complex. So women feel higher highs, but they also feel lower lows. That's why we're twice as likely to experience depression. And of course, guilt being a negative emotion um, tied often to worry, which women worry more. Yeah. <laughs> women also are more likely to be perfectionists. So we have this ideal or these expectations that we want to meet. And when we don't meet them, we often feel like we're doing something wrong. We're not good enough. We're not doing enough. Yeah. And I think the expectations on us have grown so much over the years um, over the decades with how our culture has changed. But I think women today probably feel a lot more guilt than our moms or our grandmothers ever did. And it's not that men don't feel any guilt because I talked to men about this issue and many, many men do feel guilt. But <laughs> there was one study out of Spain that said that yeah. women were guilt prone and men were guilt deficient. Oh, wow. Until they reached their 50s. I thought that until that they reached their 50s. <laughs> oh, my gracious. That is, I I would have never thought about the gender gap in guilt. That is fascinating. So what's the, then there must be something God intends. This is us just workshopping this together, Valerie. But there must be something God intends for our good, for women to feel that and be drawn to that more than men. Why do you think that is? Well, one of the things, like I said, is that, women, women from the very beginning were created for relationship. Mm, <laughs> right? That right. was a big, big part of our purpose is relationship. Also studies show that women tend to be more empathetic. We think about what others are thinking and feeling. Mm. Um, so, and I, you know, like I said, we, we have more complex emotions. So we're noticing how others are reacting and that right. can trigger you know, feelings of guilt. Men tend to increase empathy later in life, which is one of the reasons that they start to feel more guilt later in life. Mm. And like I said, so many of the increased expectations and we put some of them on ourselves. Sometimes as women, we can put them on each other. That was one of the things I was discovering, you know, women in the corporate arena who maybe had just had children and other women saying things and sometimes maybe not even thinking it was a big deal. Like, sure. Oh, I don't know how you leave your child to go on that trip. Oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> you know, which think about it. When's the last time you say that, said that to a man. Right. 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 Men don't hear those things. And so as women, a lot of times we can just feel so much, but this isn't, this really is not just about moms and wives because even when women are single and have no kids, mm-hmm. they tend to feel guilt about working more. They feel guilt about all sorts of things. So yep. I think it largely is how we're how we're wired. Because we all think the work we're doing could be when the guilt talks to me, Valerie. What I hear is the work you're doing could be keeping you from the other things that you want. Exactly. And so there's guilt about. And I, I mean, I've said, I bet I've said fifty times in the last two months when people are like, "How are you?" and I'm like. Well, work is great, great, but my life is really boring and lonely. 
Mm-hmm. And and I feel that my my life is off balance because all of our social activities have been deleted by yeah. coronavirus. And yeah. I feel guilty that I don't have good work life balance. So, so no matter what you're doing, right. <laughs> again, we have these expectations. So one of the things I say is we have to notice what those expectations are and then make a decision. Sometimes we need to reset expectations like mm. In the midst of all of these societal changes we've dealt with because of coronavirus. Right. There may be some expectations you had at the beginning of the year that really don't fit right now. Right. And and so holding yourself to an outdated expectation is a setup for guilt. Of course, you're going to feel guilty. Oh, that's a great line. But, but so often we're moving into new seasons and we hold on to old expectations. You know, you said you write a book about every two years. Mm-hmm. I I was writing a book a year and I had a three book deal and the, I think only the second book, it was due right at, not long after I got married, same year I got married. Well, I've been writing a book a year, I think for five or six years straight. Wow. And I wasn't noticing, like I I had the same expectation about what I was going to be able to do, but that transition was major. (laughs) I move 50 miles away, but I suddenly was a bonus mom and a wife and I was in a completely new environment and mentally it was just hard for me to get in the space of, of writing this book. I did it. But then the following year, our son came along Mm -hmm. and there was no way for me to meet the book deadline. Yes. Yes. And it hit me, Valerie, you are in a new season. You're, you can't, work at night and on the weekends to finish writing the book because you're spending that time with your family. Right. You can't do that anymore. Right. So maybe you're not going to be able to keep up the schedule that you kept up, but that's great. You did that for five years straight. I don't know how you did it. Right. <laughs> but I had to change the, I had to change the expectation. Yeah. How do we, so almost all of us set new year's resolutions in January that the majority of them have just imploded right like some of them have made it if you plan to read the bible every day that's still been fine but if you plan to see you know four countries this year that's not going to happen <laughs> right, right? And you said it annie and i'm sitting here going, what was my new year's resolution right right that means you're healthy because you haven't been sitting on how you weren't going to meet them how do we i mean would you even suggest like Okay, September 1, we're reading Let Go of the Guilt, and we set new 2020 goals for the rest of the year? Or do we, because the other side I'm hearing is people going, trash this whole year, forget it ever happened, and let yourself do and be whatever you want to do and be. And I don't know that that's healthy either. Look, I really believe, you know, I'm a coach, so I believe in asking powerful questions because that's how you get powerful answers. One of the most powerful questions I've been asking repeatedly this uh-huh. year is looking back five years from now, what will you wish you had done during mm. this time? Mm. Because there are some opportunities right now, obviously, you know, if you're dealing directly with COVID with family member with COVID, I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's devastating. It's scary. Even if you're not directly dealing, it's still scary because you're trying to keep you and your family healthy. Yes. However, this has changed so much about how we live. Hmm. And so it's forced us to slow down to hopefully, you know, be concerned about the people who are directly around us. How can we serve other people? But how do you want to show up during this time? Yeah. Like, is it just, I'm going to bury my head and not, and, and just 
pray it goes away and, and not want to fully engage? Or could I stop fighting the inevitable and being angry about the inevitable and say, okay, maybe this is an opportunity for more quiet time. Hmm. Maybe this is an opportunity to slow down and do some things that I would not have otherwise done. Maybe God's given me an opportunity to change directions in a career because I certainly wouldn't have done it out of the blue, even though I daydreamed about it. Yes. You know, what is it that could be for you an opportunity in the midst of this challenge? And what feels doable? I think that is so important. And I also think that there are ways we can connect right now that we weren't connecting before. And that sounds counterintuitive, but I'll give you an example our family has a family reunion every year. It's the descendants of my great grandparents. Do y'all get matching t-shirts? We've done it a few times. Oh, I think that's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we sometimes do. It's the Greenlee family reunion. And my, my family had to cancel this year. Mm. And my mother had this idea that we could do a zoom call on the Saturday night. That would have been the weekend. We spend a whole weekend together. Yeah. Well, we had family members, we had two in Australia that oh, wow. have never been to the reunion. Oh, wow, we had, sure. We, we had people that we were connecting with that normally wouldn't be there. And so I have found, because we've had to get more creative about connecting, that there have been some things that have happened, even in my business with our coach training program. We went online. And I was scared that people were going to go, we're not going online. Give me my money back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the opposite happened. People were like, thank you so much. I've been wanting to come to this, but I can't travel. And I'm like, what? (laughs) People from other continents and countries that wouldn't have come. So although there are some frustrations in this, we also have to look for the opportunities Mm. in it and be grateful for those. That is incredible that two family members got to come for the first time because yes. they're Australian. And we talk about them all the time, but the family was like, oh, yes. you know, we were so excited not to just see them on Facebook, but have a live voice and to see them in real time was really, really special. And the family has said, well, let's not wait another year. Maybe we can do this every few months. Wow. Yep. Man, that's incredible. And there's just something about finding it isn't being a Pollyanna figure or pretending like nothing's hard when you work to find the good amidst the pain. Yeah. I think we are supposed to hold both of them at the same time. Yeah. And we can, Mm -hmm. you know, it, and at the same time, let's not feel guilty when we just don't have it in us. (laughs) Right. So yes. Will you talk about that? Cause that's what, one of the things I'd love for you to speak on today too is, is how do we not feel guilty when we're watching? So when we're watching someone else, what they're letting us see on Instagram, you know, look like they're just thriving in quarantine and they're thriving through coronavirus and they've lost 50 pounds and they have, <laughs> they've, you know, written eight more books and, you know, where, and you're like, well, I haven't um, burned my house down. Like I haven't like. <laughs> I haven't ruined my family, you know, like how how can we live in this world where Instagram shows us everyone else's successes and not feel guilt of going, oh, I can't succeed during this year the way these other people seem to have been able to pull that off? Well, one, we know that people aren't putting their awful stuff on Instagram. Uh 
But we also have to just be aware of this fact. We have more information coming at us than any generation of people in the history of the world. Mm, yeah. We're looking at what everybody else is doing or supposedly doing through social media, reality television. We've got more news, supposed news. Sometimes mm. it's not even news coming at us. I mean, you pick up your phone and you're being, you know, it's being pushed to you. And a lot of yeah. the messages are here's what you should be doing. Here's 10 more parenting tips. Here's how to get that great date. Here's how yes. to lose more weight. I mean, it's constant. And if you're reading this stuff and you could be minding your business at the grocery store and see it on the cover of a magazine right? and still adopt that as an expectation that you're not living up to. And now you're mm -hmm. feeling guilty because once again, you're not doing enough. So I think it's important to really be aware of that. You've got to establish what are your values? What's important to you? It's really okay if what's important to you know, Angela or Jennifer or whoever isn't important to you or is not in this season, mm -hmm. a high priority. Getting clear yeah. with God, what are your expectations of me right now? Yeah. And just focus on those. And for some, because I've had that experience, Annie, I've had the experience of like, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Until I'm running, running my business. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm growing. And I see somebody yes. and maybe they do something similar to what I do and, and they've got some whole new project. And I'm right. like, well, why didn't I think of that? Yes. Until I open yeah. Instagram, I'm doing fine. But you're doing fine. So yeah. sometimes you just need to shut it down. That's right. And, and perhaps limit your exposure. And that takes a lot of discipline too. Yeah. So, you know, we end up, I think it, it's harder. That's the bottom line. It's harder, but it's possible. Yes. If you decide what your values are and what matter to you, you can decide what your expectations are. And you can also reset those expectations. Like mm -hmm. I said, sometimes we have outdated ones and sometimes we have vague expectations. Yeah. Like I should be doing more. Right. I, should spend more I should spend more time with my parents or yes. my family yes. or my friends. Well, what's more? Yes. And how often is that? When you have vague expectations, you oftentimes have never achieved whatever it is that you think you should achieve. Yes. So get specific about what it would look like to do what you think it is you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And should is a, it's a telltale sign yep. <laughs> that you're going to feel guilty, but define it. Don't just say more. Yes. I need, I need to exercise more. Okay. What would you feel good about? If you're not exercising at all, you might at this point, if you did twice a week and you took a walk, that's it's more. Like, that's more. <laughs> yep. Give yourself credit. Don't yes. don't make it. I've got to, you know, I've got to work out seven days a week for an hour. Right. Make it something that's doable and then you can build from there if if that's what you need to do. That's brilliant. I mean, it literally it's back to that self-care conversation. I think a lot of times people think self-care is like face masks and bubble bath, and it is that stuff. That's fine. <laughs> but it is also being incredibly kind to yourself. Yes, it's being kind. It's noticing when you're feeling worn out. I mean, I always think of of the scripture and, and Jesus is just so clear. Come to me, all you who are weary mm -hmm. and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. To me, that sounds like Jesus saying, look, you've got too much on you right now. Yes. It doesn't have to be that way. Yes. Yeah, and that's it. It doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. 
man, that is, that is the, for all of our friends listening who are kind of figuring out how they feel about God and, and being new to Jesus, that's the, that's the trick of Jesus is he is just restful. <laughs> he will, he not only saved us, he gives us rest. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really remarkable because we can spend so much tr- time trying to do, do, do more, mm-hmm. oftentimes trying to please God. And that's not a bad thing. And at the same time, I really don't believe God's trying to wear us out with things. I mean, he's yeah. giving us the fact that we feel worn out. Right. And especially when something feels burdensome, it's very different for something to feel hard than it is for it to feel burdensome. Oh, that's right? good. Yep. He'll give us hard things to do and give us the grace to do them. So even mm-hmm. though it feels hard and we might feel physically tired or something like that, we still have the energy, yeah. right, to, to do it. But when it starts to just feel like a burden, I think that's when you need to get real quiet mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and say, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? What do you need me to do differently? Or what do you need me to stop doing? Yes. Yeah. That's and good. don't get in the way of that message, you know, because sometimes yeah. we're afraid of what he says. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the problem is sometimes I'm like, you know what? I could ask the Lord, but I'm not real. I'm not real keen on what I think he's going to say. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I'm listening, but I kind of don't want to. <laughs> And then I usually know. That means I usually know. Exactly. We know. We know. We can say we don't know, but we know. That's right. That feels like it's been one of the gifts of my like last five years. And I've been 40 for a full month now. So, you know, I really get it. But Happy birthday and welcome to 40s. I love it so far. I absolutely love it so far. But one of the gifts is I feel like I've learned to trust my gut a little bit more than I did in my 20s. Yeah. And even in the early 30s of going like, man, if I feel like something's off, it's probably off. It may take some time for that to come to light. But right. I can, I because I invest in things that matter, like spending time with the Lord and having people around me that I've built a life around me where my gut is getting more trustworthy <laughs> the older I get. Isn't that good? And, yeah. And, and then we've got to trust God enough that even when our gut says something that scares us. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And we're trying to fit. Well, God, how are you going to work that out? Yep. <laughs> that, that we trust him and That's that we right. don't just trust him to do what we're asking him to do, but we trust him. Yeah. Regardless of what he's choosing to do. And that's um that's a different level of faith that I think um, God calls us to. But it's yeah. again, like I said, a lot of these things are hard, but he's up to something. You know, yes. he's he's up to something. And even with, like I said, the guilt and beating yourself up, I mean if you could just respond to your feelings of guilt or feelings of not doing enough, et cetera, the way you would respond to your best friend or someone you really mm. cared about, you know, you wouldn't beat them up. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> you I would encourage them. We, I've had this conversation with myself and our friends a lot lately of like, can you be as kind to yourself as you are to literally everyone else? <laughs> like you're so much nicer to the guy at the grocery store that you do not know than you are to yourself in the mirror. <sighs> and we just got to, we got to fix that. We got to be better friends to ourselves. Absolutely. And and you can do that. Just yeah. practice it I mean, yeah. right now. Just think of, you know, if, if I was talking to you and you fill in the blank with that person that you're always supportive of, yes, you know, and they were going through this, what would I say to them? That's right. Whatever the answer, say that to yourself. That's right. Okay, I've got two more questions for you. One thing is I want us to hop over to YouTube, and will you do a little life coaching for the single gals out there and give us a little bit of coaching over on YouTube about dating? 
in 2020? No, fun. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Glad. So the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, Valerie, tell me what y'all do for fun. Oh, okay. So um, we live on a horse farm. This was not planned. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> and so we moved from a cul-de-sac in a subdivision just a few miles away to a horse farm. And so um, my husband is very fun. Like mm-hmm. play is top of his list of strengths. Yes. And so we, I mean, this sounds very simple. In the evenings, we watch the sunset because the yeah. house faces west and the sunset is just beautiful. Oh. I don't know. I feel like the sky in Georgia looks different from anywhere it's I've ever beautiful. lived. You're right. Um, and my husband did something this year that I wasn't paying attention. He, it was very sweet. He said he was going to build a trail through the woods behind our house. Mm-hmm. He literally <laughs> got the tractor, which we kind of inherited when we bought the property. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and carved out a trail. So my my oldest bonus daughter, she's in cross country. She runs. I run sometimes, but mostly I walk. And that might mm-hmm. not sound very fun to folks, but I just love being in nature. Yeah. And walking. Sometimes I encounter deer. Sometimes yeah. it's turtles. Sometimes it's jackrabbits. Right. <laughs> I just really enjoy the fact that we get to enjoy the land together yeah, as a yeah. family. And when my husband did that little hiking trail project, he actually got the tractor stuck and <laughs> I had to I had to get on the tractor. Oh, great. <laughs> and back it up while he was pulling it with his truck. So, I have all Y'all sorts are of farmers. Adventures. Y'all are the real deal. Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing, but I but I helped him get it out. I helped him get it out. Matter of fact, I said the other day I need to post that video on on uh, Instagram of me backing up a tractor. Because oh, now you have to. Yeah, everyone's listening. I'm on a John Deere tractor. That's right. um, That's right. Everyone listening is going to want to see that. So before your book comes out, you got to give us that video. I'm going to do that. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we're going to hop over to YouTube and talk about dating in 2020, if that works for you. Valerie, thank you for doing this. I'm so grateful you're on the show today. And we are such fans of you around here. Thank you so much. This is this has indeed been fun, but also just um, very energizing. Oh, I'm so glad. Me too. I'm ready to go. Oh, friends, don't you love her? I told you she is amazing. Listen, you got to head over to youtube.com slash Annie F. Downs TSF. Like that sounds fun because I asked Valerie, you heard it. I asked Valerie, give me some dating tips. And boy, does she have some interesting thoughts on that. She coached us for real. So head over to YouTube and check that out. Make sure you give her a follow. Tell her thanks for being on the show and how much you enjoyed it. And grab a copy of her new book, Let Go of the Guilt. I think you're really, really going to love it. Hey, just a reminder, as part of the That Sounds Fun Network, we have a lot of podcasts that we love and think you will love too. And as we are turning the corner on the first 25 days of 100 Days to Brave 2020, I just wanted to remind you that we have got an entire podcast of stories from people who have finished 100 Days to Brave and how their lives are different because of what they did and what God did during that 100 days. It is called Stories from 100 Days to Brave. I think you're going to absolutely love it if you haven't listened yet. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. 
And I think that's it for today, friends. What a great week. I enjoyed it so much. I love getting to be here with you. I hope you enjoyed as much as I do. If you get a chance to rate and review the show, that always means a whole lot to us. And we'll see you back here on Monday with one of my favorite women, author, preacher, and godmother. You'll get it when you hear our conversation, Lisa Bevere. We'll see you guys on Monday.